My name is Alex Kashuta, and this is the Subversive Podcast. It's an excuse for me to talk to some of the most interesting people on the heterodox to heretic spectrum. Everyone from iconoclast philosophers to rogue scientists to real post-BuzzFeed journalists and our true intellectual elite, Twitter anonymous accounts. In short, they're quite subversive. Enjoy. Today I'm joined by Anna Kachian. Uh, Anna is a cultural commentator and the co-host of the Red Scare podcast. And uh, you've probably heard of her uh, because she is a phenomenon and uh, you know you probably love the podcast like I do. So welcome, Anna. Thanks for having me, Alex. Thanks for coming Doing on. Doing my best NPR voice. <laughs> it's 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 pretty good. I mean, I'm I'm just uh, imitating people I've seen on TV. That's my whole thing. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> welcome. Um, what I wanted to talk to you in particular today uh, is uh, motherhood, because I know mm-hmm. you are a very recent mom. Um, you know, you've maintained your thigh gap throughout, which I heard <laughs> <laughs> is quite the accomplishment. I applaud you. Um, but yeah, how how does it feel? How are you? settling into this new life um it's great it's very hard to articulate because i mean there are no words for it i'm really exhausted and um kind of like strung out brain dead so if, if i'm like kind of out of it today that's why i haven't really had a good night's sleep for the last two and a half months but it's actually like you know the most wonderful thing that could possibly happen to you um I don't know, the the way that you love your child is unlike the love you have for anybody else, you know? Well, I guess you don't know yet, but you're almost there, yeah. yeah. How far along are you? I'm 37 weeks now. But okay, yeah, I, so I anytime. quite, quite... Wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's, um, it's looming, looming. So yeah. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited because I'm kind of, you know, you've you've already crossed the, the threshold to this new life. And yeah, um, I think there's also a lot of um, overlap with, you know, some important conversations that people are either having or not really having nowadays about, you know, what it means to have a family, what it means to, yeah. to, to be a mother, what it means to even want to have children, which is, I don't know, to me, it was a bit, a bit of a, a strange thing until maybe my mid twenties. I it never even crossed my mind that I might want to have children. And right. Them. Yeah, it was just, I don't know, I was just one of those very nihilistic people, uh, you know, typical <laughs> nihilists. Um, so I, I'm curious what you think about, you know, positive reasons for people to actually want to have children. Because for me, you know, living in kind of a metropolitan area of, you know, London, I guess it, it, it has kind of a similar vibe to, to New York as well. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, there weren't that many reasons to have children. Like people weren't right. really that into the the whole idea. So, um, you know, why why do you think it's? I don't know. These places are so barren. Well, I think. I mean, I I don't remember where I read this, but there's that statistic that, like in San Francisco, for example, there are more dogs than children now, fur babies as we call them, which is like <laughs> you know really shocking. Um, and of course, I, I've repeated this line many times over, but I love the, this kind of quote from a, this a short story by Delicious Tacos, where 
um, the main character is like on a dating app and he's messaging with like a 38 year old project manager and there's this great line where he talks about like when women have a large dog that's a man proxy and when they have a small dog that's like a baby proxy um but i think like you know in the past people didn't really put um any thought into having children they just automatically like it was assumed that that's what you would do and they did and i don't think that it was necessarily like pre-planned or over-examined i think people kind of of our demographic of our age have the luxury to really think about whether we want to have children and very often that luxury is actually not a luxury at all and it's a kind of like nightmare situation because you really like realize that you have you know a great lifestyle and it's very hard to give it up and also you can't anticipate what it's going to be like giving it up until you actually do it so I think like a lot of this, um, among people who do have disposable income, who are kind of like urban uh, tech or media elites, a lot of this idea that you can't afford to have a child, for example, is really a cover for the fact that you don't want to take a hit to your lifestyle, which is something, of course, that I had thought about. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of getting demoted from your own from your own life and also having to change lifestyles quite radically because these cities are not built for children they're built for you know being a media elite with disposable income right. yeah and that's why uh, at least at least in my experience the, the whole argument that you know this is all about uh, material incentives and owning property i mean a, a lot of people that i know that didn't have children and even in their 30s in these you know urban environments they did end up owning property and you know mm -hmm. they still didn't have children so it is i think it's it's more of a like you said a, a lifestyle issue yeah and i noticed you know when i got pregnant it was kind of the start of the lockdowns um a lot of women i knew also got pregnant simultaneously and so i kind of mistakenly thought that there would be a boom but of course this boom was kind of strictly among kind of white middle class upper middle class uh, urban people with disposable income. And in fact, you know, there was a New York Times headline like a week ago talking about how actually what we thought was going to be a baby boom was a baby bust during kind of COVID. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same. Like my my inner circle also have been having babies in a, in a, in a frenzy. And I was like, yes, finally, we repopulate the planet. But yeah, actually, I, I guess the people who typically have a high fertility rate, um, those have gotten hit uh, yeah. more harshly by, by, by everything that's going on right now. Oh, I think the baby's crying. I'm going to I'm going to adjust no him. I'll be right back. Go, go. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> we can, we can respawn the, the combo because mm -hmm. I, I, I zoned out as well. Like I've got, <laughs> I've got total pregnancy brain. It's so hot, like sweltering here and I'm, I've got my edema. So <laughs> we're both in, 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 in our particular situations. Um, yeah, yeah I, I also want to ask you about, about family and about your family. Uh, because uh -huh. I've been listening to a, a few of your podcasts before this, you know, where you appeared as a guest on, on other people's podcasts and uh, you were telling these anecdotes from your family and I 
couldn't help but notice how similar the uh, kind of the, the trajectories have been, mm -hmm. um, like including this. I mean, maybe maybe it's a bit too nosy and a bit a bit dark, but like I think our, our fathers died the same year. Um, oh, and, wow. Okay. And it, yeah. they were both kind of these like highly, you know, kind of um, technical, super, you know, big brained uh, yeah. Soviet Union engineering types, mathematician types. Um, and uh, our mothers are kind of the same as well. They're artistic types that, you know, were mm -hmm. kind of relegated to a, a, a homebody uh, mm -hmm. position. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've got some, some issues, personality disorders in my family. So it's, it's quite, <laughs> it was quite interesting. Like, okay, this is, this is quite a convergence. Um, and I wonder, um, do you think that, you know, this, this background, like, how has that influenced, you know, your position at the moment? How do you see kind of your family reflecting on, on the point that you've reached in your life right now and with your family as well? Well, I think the part of, you know, my reason for having a child, this pregnancy was unplanned, obviously, but, um, you know, my reasoning for seeing it through was because I, I want to kind of pay homage to honor the memory of my father. Oh God, here he goes again. <laughs> I don't... Can you hear him on the, is yeah. it really loud? Okay. Um, let me think, maybe, you know what I can do probably is I can put him in like a little uh, strappy thing, like yeah. a little carrier. If you don't mind, I'm really no, sorry no, no, that he's no, being, yeah. No worries at all. And then I'll answer the question, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I felt like, you know, a debt to my family and I and I felt like I had to honor kind of my past. I I take probably because I'm an immigrant to the United States, like, you know, I, I've said I said this to the like Russians with attitude guys. I think like being an immigrant is a state of overcompensation. Like you're always overcompensating, you know, in both directions. Like, you know, you want to kind of hyper assimilate to your new culture, but you also uh, want to uh, kind of retain and remember your old culture. So I feel like um, I'm as an immigrant, I'm like very hyper aware of my background, you know, and it, it's kind of, it's always been kind of like a grave serious thing for me because, you know, my, my dad's side are Armenians. We think that they're originally from Iran that, you know, on that side, we had like the Armenian genocide on um, my mom's side, she's part Russian Jewish, part Slavic. And, you know, our family, part of our family was killed at Auschwitz. The other family was what we call Christiane serfs on the Slavic side. So it's a really kind of remarkable history of, you know, as they say, overcoming adversity or whatever. So I felt kind of that maintaining this lineage was kind of necessary yeah yeah that, i mean that, that that makes a lot of sense if you're um you're kind of tracing tracing your your legacy back to to, to roots that are that deep um and i can i can completely you know mirror that like i was also very much attached to, to my father's memory and mm -hmm. uh yeah there's not a day that goes by where i don't think okay it would be it would be very very uh you know great to have him here and you know f convince him that I wasn't a fuck up which is yeah. <laughs> I was 17 when when he died and it was like I was a total fuck up at, at 17 obviously and that's yeah kind of the, the uh, last the last memory he had of me so um yeah it's uh it it, it makes 
a, a lot of sense. Yeah, and I, I think like, um, I was 19 when my dad died and I was just getting kind of reforming myself. I was a very kind of shitty, mediocre student and up until the last bit of high school when for, you know, by some stroke of inspiration, I decided to turn it all around and I wanted to like make my father proud. And it's, it's very sad. I think about this all the time because my partner's father also passed away and um, was, they actually had the same birthday. So there's like some weird Jungian connection there. And, you know, I think a lot that this child is going to grow up without grandfathers. But, um, you know, he lives in New York. He has the sort of life that I could have only dreamed of. And he, his family network is basically a community, like, of friends. It sounds very prog, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a verb. <laughs> uh, he's, he's adorable, even from this... Uh convoluted angle <laughs> um yeah that's that's to be honest that's the same with me i was i was uh i was dating this this very you know this guy my dad hated obviously at 17 and that was kind of the the, the way we the way we ended it and that was uh yeah unfortunately not not the not the best but yeah i i completely echo that i you know a, a lot of the stuff that i've done later in my life has been kind of trying to align myself with what I think would have made him proud, but yeah, was was your dad like a scientist, a mathematician? Um, was it... He was a kind of um, he was a, a hydrothermal. He was building hydrothermal dams, no hydroelectric okay. dams gotcha, you know, all okay. over the Soviet Union. So he was kind of okay. like this peak engineering man. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then uh, after the um, after the wall fell, that we he got into he went to the West and did I don't know construction business and uh-huh. yeah he was very very good at business as well like yeah just a kind of a polymath. Uh, and my mom as well she was a very artistic soul. <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah and then she got stuck in, indoors for a bit too long and started getting antsy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's uh yeah it, it was it was interesting to me that. You know, it's um, you know, because because we we've kind of converged on 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 a few themes throughout life. You know, just in, in terms of experience, because uh, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the things that you speak about are things that you've you've kind of felt not only in the culture but just in in, in what's right. you know and and what's going on, kind of almost like on a visceral level. And it feels like okay, your your experience maybe also in your family informs that. Yeah, definitely. I think, wait, hold on a second, I'm going to plug my computer, and I'm sorry, this is such a disaster. (laughs) No worries. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, I have, like, a very, I guess, hyperactive awareness of the past, because, you know, for, for whatever reason, my parents... Um, we're able to preserve a lot of information like we have photographs from like the beginning of the 20th century and documents and stuff like that so we have like a vague especially on the Jewish side because um, they were kind of like uh, bourgeois members of the medical establishment who um, I think if I'm correct were did not have to settle in the pale because they were kind of elite professionals Um, and uh, so that kind of stuff is like super important to me but on the other hand also you know i think about like the kind of dialogue the discourse that exists now um that the 
I would call it like antinatalist when people talk about, you know, well, it's narcissistic, it's selfish to bring um, a, a child into this world for like population reasons or environmental reasons or whatever. And I, and I think that, you know, no matter how you slice it or dice it, it's going to be, you know, narcissistic, right? If you don't have children, that's also in my mind, an act of selfishness of narcissism. Um, but my mother, you know, interestingly enough, she, she's very much like a boomer through and through. So she comes out of this, um, kind of like middle-class uh, Western-centric background. And I remember as a young girl, my mother telling uh, my sister and me basically strongly implying that actually we shouldn't have children. We should self-actualize, be feminists and, and that sort of thing. And so a lot of the stuff that I, I grew up thinking I wanted was really, I think my mother's kind of passed down inner voice. You know, so it took me many years, you know, a decade and a half to, decide essentially that I wanted a child because my mother's my mother was always all about like uh getting a job being a feminist you know scaling the greasy ladder or whatever and I don't think I don't know that she necessarily even had thought about it I think a lot of our like thought processes are very unexamined you know yeah, I think it's a, it was the same in, in my case as well. It was all about independence because, you know, my, my parents had two extremely powerful egos battling each other yeah. every day. And I think my mother felt really disempowered by the fact that she didn't have, she wasn't like a high-flying professional, you know, mm -hmm. kicking ass and taking names like my dad was. And, you know, she was kind of relegated to this passive role, though she was, you know, like this, this highly intelligent, really, you know, uh, worldly person who now yeah. had to, yeah, not not do much, or at least not do much in the world, in the outside world. So she kind of encouraged me to, yeah, you you have to become this person that I that I didn't get the chance to be because, you know, I'm I'm in this ego battle to the death here. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a an interesting thing, like you say, you know, living out your your parents' dreams, even even invol involuntarily. It's not just. Mm -hmm doesn't have to be because sometimes you know uh, you know if, if you'd ask my mother she'd say I've, I've only been rebelling against her my whole life but actually you know I've, <laughs> I've been in her footsteps it have been two steps behind her every, every yeah. turn yeah well the funny thing is also like you realize obviously uh, you know uh in a delayed fashion that actually your parents were right all along and you essentially become your parents yeah, and you shouldn't fight it too much. <laughs> no, well, you should it. when you're young. I think it's sort of inevitable that everybody, when they're young, kind of fights it. And you know, now that I'm like an old broad and I have a kid, um, it's you know, I try to talk to younger people, and you know, it's very hard to to get this point across to them because they they literally don't know and they're not going to know for a long time. So you can't really force the issue you have to like let people you know come to their own conclusions yeah yeah there, there is that as well like even even with with having children now you know people keep asking me like okay so how will you indoctrinate your child <laughs> how are you going to protect him from the from uh non-baseness uh and I, yeah. I can't you just you just can't you you can kind of provide an example but i, I don't think you can you know force your worldview into your child in, in any uh, you know effective way have you have you given it any thought how you're gonna indoctrinate your child or are you just <laughs> gonna wing it 
Um, probably wing it. Um, yeah. I'll probably say that I'll give it a lot of thought, but I think I'm just going to take it day by day and just try to, I don't know, provide a, to me, it feels like, okay, if I give this child, you know, a loving environment, stable, try to, you know, be, be the kind of person that I want him to be, that's probably the best I could do. Uh, and then, you know, I'm involved in all sorts of, you know, intellectual fields. If he's interested in that type of stuff, I got a whole <laughs> library here with stuff that yeah. you might, you might want to chat about, but I don't necessarily think I'd be, I'll be going to be very proactive in, in, you know, making like a 10 point list of him to learn about values in the world yeah no crt no hrt <laughs> um, no i mean i think like you basically like my philosophy is um you have to lead by example um i think that that's where like my parents failed because they were so frazzled and so overwhelmed uh, like coming to a new country and uh, i want to give my child what I didn't have growing up, which is essentially kind of a loving and supportive network of family and friends. Um, because, you know, my sister and I always joke that we sort of grew up very isolated. We were an island, like a nuclear family. Um, and I think that that made, you know, things very difficult for us to kind of advance normally through life. And so I, the kind of dilemma for me is I want to give this child kind of the resources, the support that I didn't necessarily have. But if you give a child those things, then he, you know, might grow up to be the sort of like spoiled and entitled person yeah. that, you know, I observe people like this around New York all the time. And I'm terrified of, you know, raising my child to, to be one of these people, I guess, to, to be what, you know, people on the internet think I am, which is like, a spoiled and entitled brat. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's always the the worry that you don't give your child, you know, that hormetic dose of of insanity that it needs to become a, at least an interesting person or at least an, you know, a, a non-NPC character in, in the <laughs> yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I wonder that as well. Like, I'm, sh I'm sure I'm gonna mess it up. I'm sure I'm gonna mess it up in, in exotic ways and ways I can't even imagine <laughs> at the moment. Well, yeah, I think like going into it, you know, like no matter what you do, you're gonna fuck up your kid. Like, I hate to say it, but um, on the other hand, you know, um, I think that it's, again, the leading by example thing is like very, very important. And, you know, there's this, like, very corny quote by uh, Dr. Maya Angelou, um, where she talks about, you know, it's not what you say or what you do, but it's how you make people feel at the end of the day that, that matters. And so I think with children, um, the example that you have to set is one of, kind of calm, stability, and confidence. Because a, a lot of parents, I, I think, probably, um, you know, especially, like, fight amongst themselves, snipe at one another, and I remember, you know, my grandparents growing up had, had this policy um, that they called NP, which was like, you know, basically keeping a unified front, maintaining social harmony in front of the children at all times, even if they were, you know, privately scrapping or having a disagreement. Yeah, I feel like the the boomers skipped the NP, oh, whatever that stands yeah, for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's they they said okay, it's 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 time to bring all of our you know bring your whole self to work, bring your whole self to the yeah. family unit, and I don't necessarily know if that was a a good move. Um, yeah, I think it's you know just the instability of it was just yeah, a, a bit. My too much. my question is, 
is our gener will our generation, I guess it's a little bit late for our generation of millennials, but um, will young women, women, you know, young in their early 20s, uh, mid 20s, are they, will they be rebelling against their parents and having children earlier? I don't know. I mean, I saw somebody kind of predicting that, that the next generation of women will do the childbirth first and the career second, like they'll invert the kind of old formula um, that, that's been, you know, popular for the last, you know, three decades. But I don't know if that's the case. I think that these kind of um, ideas, values are very much internalized in people. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think it, you'd need like a huge sea change to, to make that happen in, in material terms as well, because a lot of people, this is this is what everyone in their age cohort does this is what everyone after, you know, th these are the steps of our generation and you mm -hmm. need to, you know, reevaluate what it means to end, you know, to finish high school or, you know, to right. take college off its pedestal, like, oh, my God, that's that's going to take a few a few more generations. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that people will uh, kind of get startled by the disaster that, you know, kind of the elder millennial generation was for women who mm -hmm. just, yeah, a lot of them have really, they don't really have any way to, to backtrack from, from you know, a, a direction that they're on. Uh, and they will be some, some form of example to, I guess, Zoomer girls that, you know, the, the Chelsea Handler, you know, mm -hmm. end of the line lifestyle has just been too too violent and and they don't want that but how to actually structure your life to 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 remedy that i think that's much more complicated and you know because uh, it's not just getting scared of what might happen but also having a very proactive way of doing the opposite and also having someone to do it with because mm -hmm. i feel like updating and all of this stuff has really poisoned the poisoned the waters in terms of of what's possible with the opposite sex as well yeah, yeah, I think so too. You know, I like a lot of, you know, people will accuse me of like being trad or whatever. I kind of deny this fact. I'm not trad because, you know, to me, trad means looking at the past, which is always going to be like a figment, a fantasy in your mind and, and saying that it's kind of uniformly, unambiguously better than what we have in the present. I don't know that that's the case. I think, like I said, sort of time-tested, time-worn things are most likely better than what we have now but uh, on a lot of things on, on a lot of these things the jury's out and you know there's a massive now paradigm shift like you said it's very hard to find a partner to mate with if you wanted to you know procreate um there's also the issue that um again among kind of high achieving urban women the those women are kind of probably now earning more than their male counterparts. There's like this massive paradigm shift that's very hard to reconcile because I think our brains are hardwired kind of in, you know, in past kind of, in a, in a kind of a, an old legacy format, like you want to be with a man who earns more than you, for example, if you're a woman to, to be a supporter or a provider and that is, a model that's becoming increasingly less possible. Yeah. And I have to say also, like, you know, as far as like, you know, my career goes, I'm one of the lucky ones because, you know, by a fluke, by the grace of God, I found a man who is able to provide for us. Should I, you know, suddenly 
lose my job or my career if I opt out of it. Um, but I don't hold out any hope. Like I think the more kind of credentialed and um, accomplished that you get as a woman, the less attractive on some level you become to the sort of men that you would want to date. Yeah, yeah, the, the whole like the whole landscape shifts because, you know, especially if you are extremely um, successful, then the, yeah, it's just it's just a, the available space is, is shrunken to, to almost nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and it does take a little bit of time to become extremely successful. And by that time, you're probably already, you know, in, in your 30s or sometimes in your 40s, right. really kind of put put all of your uh, your stock in, in, in this direction to, to be actually be able to do it, which is, mm -hmm. yeah, which is I see, see so many women in that situation. And they, they are genuinely surprised of of how fast life comes at you at one point and it's you know it just it just doesn't work out and they also they also kind of mimic the idea that you know if if this is an attractive quality in men you know being a, a high status achieving person then that's you know that's going to help them with with men as well it's completely you know brain dead because not that's, true yeah yeah that doesn't <laughs> men don't work like that yeah 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 i mean i'm i'm sure like i think my prospects believe it or not were probably better when i was like waitressing and hostessing because you know the amount of male attention was overwhelming because men would come into the restaurant and like flirt with you when you're in one of these like high achieving um tunnel vision career paths you don't even really get a chance to to meet like high quality men i think yeah, especially because you meet most of the men at work, which is now a no-go zone for for yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which which you shouldn't, because who knows what uh, <laughs> what disasters you 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 create with that. Yeah, it's it's really it's really a dead end, and a, a lot of the reason that I'm kind of speaking out about this stuff is that I've kind of seen it happen in, in real time with a lot of my my female friends, and mm -hmm. just, you know, it's it's. I, I tweet about the stuff that I couldn't tell them to their faces uh -huh. <laughs> and a lot of them have blocked me and, and disavowed me obviously <laughs> but, uh, because they, because they know, <laughs> but it's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, I also have um, a kind of a, a Polly quote that I wanted to present to you about sure. being, being the mother of a, of a boy. Because, uh -huh. um, um, yeah, we were both, I'm going to have a boy as well. And I've been thinking about this. Well. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, I'm raising my son gender neutral. Just oh, kidding. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he'll, he'll decide his, uh, his uh, gender at 18. Um, so the, the quote goes uh, like this, um, every man must define his identity against his mother. If he does not, he just falls back into her and is swallowed up, which is kind of this, you know, devouring mother archetype. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like this is really encouraged by society at the moment. This is kind of the, the archetype that almost society at large in, inhabits. Um, but it's also kind of a fear for me because I know mm -hmm. I will tend to want to be that kind of person. So mm -hmm. I don't know, what's, what's your uh, relationship to the devouring mother and, and kind of in your relationship with your son? You mean that you, you fear your own tendency to become like a devouring or edible mother? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, the fact that you even have that forethought is probably a good sign. Um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, I had, I also have and had that same fear. Um, you know, there's this idea, I actually 
um, read an, an article about um, narcissistic mothers and how um, they uh, will compete with and belittle their daughters, but, but be kind of emotionally incestuous with their sons. And um, I think like, you know, no disrespect, no dishonor to my mother, but she was such an oddball character and she was such a consuming and devouring force in my life that as a result, I'm very boring and very dependable and very hyper self-aware to a degree that's like paralytic, you know? Um, but I think this bodes well for parenting because, um, you know, as painful as it is for me to uh, anticipate like separating from my son, um, I have no choice. And I think like I, I will always kind of take that L. So. I can't, you know, I can't imagine because I have ultimately, you know, Russian parents, I think are known, my, my parents especially, um, and a lot of the parents of like Russian kids I knew growing up, um, you know, we would laugh about the fact that our parents consistently denied us our subjectivity, our autonomy. In America, this, the, I think the opposite rule reigns. Your parents, I think out of negligence more than love, um, give you full reign to express yourself um, and they constantly pay lip service to your subjectivity, to your autonomy, which creates, you know, basically spoiled and coddled brats. And, and I actually am fairly optimistic that um, I will be able to find a kind of happy medium to allow my son to kind of rebel constructively. I mean, I can already anticipate just like the uh, kind of pain and sadness of inevitably being rejected by your adolescent child which is you know what's going to happen at some point because I remember myself you know I was a horrible bitch to my parents yeah so I think like that I'm not too worried about and again I feel like if you have the kind of foresight of this phenomenon you can sort of like nip it in the bud yeah I think like if, if you have experience with people with either, you know, personality disorders or things like BPD, uh, especially kind of in, in a kind of a parenting role, yeah. you become a bit of a wrangler of these types of emotions, either in other people, and then you notice them in yourself. And by yourself, I mean myself, because that's kind of like, you know, because yeah. I, I, I know I have like the genes for it. I, I know that it's bubbling underneath the surface, but I've also kind of being on the receiving end of what it means to be growing up and then kind of that completely chaotic medium. It's like, okay, this is, this is, you need to ride the tiger and you need to, you know, control it because it's, it can be really, it can be really wild. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, in a way, by being a really calm and and dependable mother, uh, you're probably like you said, you're gonna you're gonna rob your son of the chance to to wrangle you. Yeah, I mean, either way, yeah, no matter what you do, you're gonna do something wrong. I think like the good news is like I've heard on numerous occasions from numerous um, channels that basically like if you are the daughter of kind of like an insane or abusive mother. Um, chances are that you will be a very kind of like dependable, even keeled mother. I think, you know, my mom was so kind of nuts growing up because she's really kind of an artistic personality. She's like a, a Gemini also. Um, 
and you know growing up with her was like what I imagine like growing up with like Donald Trump or Azalea Banks is <laughs> like just like high levels of brilliance um but I, she I forgot where I was going with this but I think like because as a result of, of her parenting my sister and I are just like so conservative I don't mean like politically conservative I mean like privately socially conservative yeah yeah, I think that's, you know, that's, that seems to be a pattern, <laughs> to be honest. It's just, it's just, there's no space in, in a house like that for, you know, two, two big egos. And you learn that, you know, early on. I've tried, I've tried to have a big ego when I was a teenager, but it's just, it's just, you mm -hmm. know, like a Sisyphean task, you know, you're not, you're not gonna, <laughs> you're not yeah. gonna beat that. Um, and, and after a while, you just kind of calm down and, and live your life. Um, well, and also, you know, to my mom's credit, I have to say that the thing that she did really well, um, that a lot of parents of her generation did well, I think, was she really did raise us gender neutral in the sense that she didn't foist any sort of uh, labels or identities on us because that sort of concept didn't exist. Um, and, you know, she didn't expect us to be like dolled up or oversexual. And I think, again, as a result, we really got to um, figure out ourselves in an organic, natural fashion. And that was the norm growing up. I think like th this idea right now that th this kind of like gender play idea that exists where, where people are kind of uh, imposing non-binary or like trans identities on their children. Um, that to me always seems so kind of outlandishly harmful because and selfish and narcissistic um, because you know you should already as a default raise your kid without kind of gender roles in mind because the majority of them will just snap into place you know yeah I think it's you know this essentializing tendency you know to see uh, in a way, yeah, gen gender is constructed, but it's also something you feel like deep inside your soul. And it's yeah. everyone's very confused about what it is to actually have gender at the moment. Um, and yeah, it's it's not it's not a it's not a straightforward thing. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I also wanted to ask you about women, women in general. Is it is it um, do they are they ever meant to be sane? I think there is something that uh, you know. <laughs> There, there's a, a nucleus of, of insanity that it has to be, you know, you kind of have to keep it alive if you want to be yeah. a, 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 just a, a normal woman. You can't snuff it out completely. Yeah, I think like that, like a little kernel a nugget of insanity is what gives women their sex appeal on some level. I mean, I don't know. I'm of two minds about this because I think maybe that's what makes them attractive to men, being a little crazy or playing up their crazy. Um, being kind of responsibly manipulative uh but on the other hand i think the sanity is probably the hottest quality in a person at least for me and i think a lot of the insanity craziness that we're witnessing is really smoothed out by childbirth and and child rearing because you know frankly it's like very obvious you have to now subordinate your will to somebody else yeah, yeah, you can't maintain the illusion of, of being a complete individual when you're essentially two people at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's quite, I don't know, it's quite a trippy experience to, 
to know that you're essentially i don't know i don't want to say birthing pod but you're you're kind of you know you're, you're facilitating a, a different personality a different person which is yeah. also yourself at the same time i don't know i've, I've just been thinking about this, staring up to, into the into the abyss about this uh, quite a lot lately well i mean I'm, i'm sure you feel this way now because you're like heavily pregnant when i was like on kind of at the end of my pregnancy i mean even like when i started showing i remember thinking like my god i'm not myself anymore i'm, I'm literally a vessel for somebody else and then you become like a pair of udders for somebody else you are like a fount of sustenance and it's very kind of like body horror but you know i i thought like well okay you know whatever you know no matter what happens to me i have this child that i have to take care of that, that is like the future um i think you know the problem with kind of american style liberalism is that it doesn't invest in the future it has a contempt for the future you know children are the future and you have to invest in them and we have like here at such low standards for the things that matter yeah and it's, it's also you know it's, it's very hard for someone who's really invested in this idea of the individual of you know being kind of this this rational choice agent you know minding their own business to be invested in the future because the individual does not have a future you know you right. individually you will die there's nothing maybe you can you can build a legacy by doing something creative or writing a book or whatever winning a war or something that you know might outlive you for five minutes but um the idea that you know you're going to perpetuate the individual is not it's not going to happen you have to become more than yourself to to even countenance the idea that you're going to have a child Well, I think a lot of people of our generation of millenni millennials, they they feel like they'll they have better luck, um, uh, kind of cementing their immortality by achieving something versus doing it the old-fashioned way of having a child. I actually haven't articulated this for myself, um, and I don't think I will now. You know, in the limited time we have, but um, yeah, there's also like I've noticed maybe less so actually recently, but I've noticed that there's kind of like contempt and disparaging of motherhood because so many people do it and it's not really kind of a high achievement or a high accomplishment. But this really is, I mean, you're in for a treat. This is really like the hardest job in the world and anybody who says otherwise doesn't get it because, you know, you are responsible not only for like the immediate day-to-day -day survival of a, another organism, but for kind of, um, their future their future intellectual and spiritual development which is like crucial and you especially if you're doing it like on your own i'm in, i'm mentally ill enough that i have not i have no intention of like hiring a nanny um i have my my sister babysit on the odd moments that like we need somebody to watch him but you know it's basically right now it's all me because like my husband can't you know he he is very supportive and helpful but there's very little that like a man can do in the moment um for a child that's like under six months old yeah yeah and i feel like that's that's just a the phase of life you're in you know it's very hard to delegate this stuff uh, i'm my mom is my neighbor but i can it's you know, gonna <laughs> be that working for you it's it's okay it's you know i'm kind of at that point where you know i've 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 
I've overcome my my tensions with uh, with her, and uh, it's just you know it, it's kind of it's kind of the idea of you know how will she be with with the child, you know, because if it's if it's just uh, you know re rehashing what happened in the past 2.0, then I might have some yeah. issues with that. But uh, but I think you know people do evolve and they do mature a little bit when they have uh, grandchildren, and she's you know she's just mellowed out with age. I think also. yeah. Well, also, I mean, they're like absolving, literally like absolving, expiating their guilt, uh, all the shitty parenting they did with you. So, that, you know, grandparents are always nice to their grandkids um, and they give them lots of love and lots of money. But yeah, I mean, I think like the idea of like, you know, self-actualizing, like, I mean, I'm very selfish in this, in the sense, like I, I have, you know, some level of ambition. I still want to do stuff uh, kind of career wise in the future. Um, but I've also like kind of chilled out and mellowed out because I really, at the end of the day, don't care if it happens so much anymore. Um, but I think like the, the idea of self-actualizing through kind of external achievements through, through work or creativity, um, that route is available to a very small percentage of people, just like self-actualizing under feminism was available to um, a very small percentage of people like you look at women like Susan Sontag or Gloria Allred who had both had children when they were like 20 years old and went on to have like illustrious careers um that was the exception to the rule I mean it still is the exception to the rule I think and in both cases they they sort of literally pawned off their kids to like family members or like the help yeah yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how 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 people manage this, especially because I feel like a lot of women are starting to wake up to the fact that you know, you just have to work in you know in the nine to five corporation for like five to to ten years to you know get the epiphany that with every yeah. level that you move up, there's you know maybe a little bit more money, but a lot more responsibility and a lot more you know sleepless nights and you know when you get to the Fortune five hundred company or whatever uh, status you're you're aiming for. Uh, you're going to not be royalty you're going to be you know you're going to be stretched to the maximum because those people want their money's worth you know it's not you're not just you know moving into the country club it's it really is a lot of work especially yeah. multinationals yeah I mean I, I this I'm kind of on the fence about because I don't know like I know a lot of people who have basically scaled the greasy ladder and landed at the top and actually do very little work like they parachute in every two weeks to like sign off on some font choices on a powerpoint um i think you know women because we're still new to power and and, and um new to having any sense of control i think that we tend to like overwork mm -hmm. ourselves and yeah. are, tend to want to prove ourselves yeah, which is exactly the wrong thing to do sometimes if you yeah. want actual power. Actual power means not having to do that stuff. So. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know we're, we're coming up on time a little bit. Um, I wanted to ask you the, the question of the show, which is, um, do you have a subversive thinker, um, you know, it could be a writer, whoever you think uh, would be interesting for people to know about because they, they might be getting too little of the, of the limelight in general, someone who's, you know, a, a hidden gem? Um, well, I think I have to think about that, but I would say, um, uh, Janet Malcolm because she just died yesterday um, and she's she's kind of like a wild card because on the surface she seems like a very kind of 
predictable uh, liberal elite writer who was preoccupied with her kind of immediate class and milieu. Uh, and I think um, actually she's the most subversive of them all because in a world of polemicists, she was kind of an anti-polemicist. And um, basically she set kind of, she set or created a setting through discretion and um, interaction and allows her readers to draw their own conclusions about kind of the psychological landscapes of the people that she's profiling. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I, I, I just saw that on your Twitter. I, I haven't yeah. read her before, but I will, I will now. So yeah, Janet Malcolm. Um, and also, uh, is there anything that you want people to know about any projects that you're working on? Anything I can point people to? Um, I, well, I'm like super superstitious, so I never uh, like to talk about my projects um, ahead of time because I feel like I'm going to jinx myself. But I, um, I'm, I am currently working on some stuff if like my kid will allow it, you know? <laughs> Good. Good. I basically... I basically like sit here with my with like a note app on my phone and with the baby in this like boba wrap and write, you know. Ah, oh, well, well, that's uh, you know that's that's uh, a very adaptable way to to, to <laughs> building your legacy in both ways. So, um, yeah, it was it was excellent speaking to you. I mean, I think we're, I've got I've got a, a serious case of pregnancy brain in the heat today. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, I hope this was as fun for you as it was for me. And it was really, really lovely to get to meet you finally. Yeah, it was nice to meet you. Um, I forgot to spin my wheels about um, the kind the medical aspects of pregnancy, which can be another topic for another day, because I really kind of red pilled myself in the course of this pregnancy. Really? Oh, yeah, wow. but that's an, that's another topic. Perfect. Well, we'll leave it at that, and then and then we'll pick it up next time. All right. Thank Cheers. you, Alex. Have Thank a good you. one. Cheers. If you like what you're hearing, want to see where I take it, and maybe want early access episodes, bonus episodes, access to the AMA, or you just want to support the cause of dissident speech or my work in general head to my Patreon at patreon.com slash aksubversive. Your donations are what keeps the lights on and makes the show possible, so thank you.